0: Post Rock Friday from 10 to 11 with your host John P from the best in post rock drone ambient experimental and
1: noise.
2: to CITR 101.9 FM. You are tuned in to a special live broadcast of The Arts Report from the Fringe Bar in Granville Island. We are live
3: on Granville Island at the 2015 Vancouver International Fringe Festival. Can you feel the energy, that, Dave? That, 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 that it's palpable. It's, it, you can cut it with a, with a knife or a razor blade or something. It's very exciting. Um, my name is Dave Campbell. I'm the host of Dave Radio every Friday at noon, and with me is...
2: My, well, my name is Jay Costello. I've been the arts director for the Arts Report for some time now, and, and this is my final assignment. So happy uh, to be here from 6 to 8 at the Fringe Bar. Yeah, for
3: the next almost two hours we're going to be down here. We're going to be talking to uh, some of the performers and uh, some of the other participants in the Fringe Festival. Uh, any idea who might be showing up?
2: Oh I, Well, <laughs> I had some <laughs> earlier, but I think plans are changing around. Uh, right in,
3: uh, we've got, uh, we got Andrew Wade. Uh, who's got involved with two shows. Uh, He's uh, involved with um, the Titus the Musical and The Most Honest Man in the World. He'll be here very shortly. Uh, We're also going to uh, meet uh, Derek Chan from Star Stuff. Uh, who else e- have we got here? Well,
2: Edgar Allan is an interesting play uh, about Edgar Allan Poe. Uh-huh. And so Nick from that's going to be down here. We're going to learn about um, a new staging of Eurydice that Eleanor Felton is has put on. And she will be down here shortly. And we're closing the night with Brendan McLeod of Brain, um, and which is actually about, I think it just started five minutes ago, so we're going to get the post-show interview. Oh, he's going to
3: come right from the venue, right, o- right on the air to give a, an immediate report.
2: He's. I think he's sprinting from the venue to be here, but before all of that...
3: That is live radio right there. <laughs> that is live.
2: Um, and tell us, Dave, uh, who, who do you have well, before
3: r- any to of that? To start things off, we have a group from uh, Star Star Theatre, and uh, yes, hand, hand the mic, and first of all, tell us who you are.
4: Hi, my name is Micah, and I'm one half of Star Star Theater, mm-hmm. along with Randy Edmondson, who I've got here, and Steph Elgersma, two of my actors. Yeah.
3: Great. So tell us a little bit about Star Star Theater at, at first. How long has it been around, and yeah. what kind of stuff do you like to do?
4: We've been around for about three years now. We mm-hmm. started at the Revolver Festival uh, in 2013, and we put on plays with a social purpose and a professional practice. So we like to do. Professional theater, and we want to provide opportunities for emerging artists. And we want to do shows that really resonate with us on a personal and a global level. Mm-hmm. So we're mostly like really excited about shows like this one that we're doing in The Fringe. Yes,
3: it's got a very provocative title. It's called Pornography. <laughs>
4: Pornography, that's So tell right. us about that. Yeah, so Pornography is a play by Simon Stevens, who's a well known British playwright. He's won a lot of awards. He wrote the uh, Broadway adaptation of *The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime*, uh-huh. and this show, *Pornography*, was um, the play that he wrote after the September 11th bombings in New York City and after the 7/7 bombings in London mm-hmm. in 2005. And this is his response to that, to those two events.
3: All right. So, what's 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 happening in the play?
4: Yeah. So the play follows eight individuals in the week. Uh, leading up to the Olympic announcements for the 2012 Olympic Games in London Mm -hmm. and the day after uh, the Olympic announcements, which is the subway bombings in London's center. And so it follows eight people as they go about their daily lives and it follows their lives and what's important to them and what's terrible in their lives and what's great in their lives and sort of the um, incessant loneliness that pervades like our modern culture that's just full of consumerism and isolation and just this sense of building tension throughout mm-hmm. the week as it goes from this uh, Live 8 concert, the Olympics, and yeah. then finally up to this subway bombing. And one thing that was really um, surprising to a lot of British citizens was how British citizens could have bombed something british yeah. and how they could have bombed the subway system and i think it has a lot of parallels with vancouver
3: mm-hmm. that's interesting because britain in the past has been used to bombings from ireland uh, they uh, you know especially in the 60s and 70s and, and 80s there was a lot of car bombs and other things going on wi- involved with the irish but this is british citizens doing doing yeah. the bombing and, before and that, that really that, shook them up
4: yeah and before that i mean german World War II well yeah, bombings, yeah, exactly, I mean, they have a history mm-hmm. of being under attack, Yeah. and that's something that's definitely but looked the at. Fact that
3: it, the fact that it came from within this time mm-hmm. really shook them up, that's it's interesting. It's very scary. Well, let's put your actors to work. We've got uh, Stephanie and Randy here who are going to, why don't you set up the scene and then let's, let's hear it.
4: Great. So, um, this is the day of the bombings. We've got two sisters, and one of them has gotten caught out uh, on her way to work, and she's just gotten home.
5: I was worried about you. You're really late. I know.
4: I was terrified. I tried ringing
5: you, but all the mobile phone lines are down. I know. I'm sorry. You're safe. Yeah. Where were you? They canceled all the tubes. I had to walk home. Fucking hell. What? Just fucking hell. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. I thought you were dead. I wasn't. No. It's mad out there. Everybody's walking. The the pubs are packed. You have to go.
3: All right. That was great. So that's pornography, and it's at the uh, the culture lab, sorry, uh, at at, uh, Vanny's Cultural Center at at uh, Venables in Victoria, and also um, this play is uh, a part of the um,
4: dramatic works series. That was it,
3: yes. Which which is which is uh, it's it's a relatively new program. I think it's only been around for a couple of years.
4: Yeah, this is the second year. Mm -hmm.
3: And uh, a few plays get selected to participate in that. So what kind of uh, what has that meant for you?
4: It's been so cool because we get a whole bunch of mentorship, mm-hmm. we get help f- uh, funding the rights to the play, so it allows us to do really substantial, great scripts yeah. with uh, support on both an artistic and a financial level. It's such a great program, and we're so lucky to be a part of it.
3: All right, great. So once again, it's Pornography, it's at the Cultural Lab at the Colts uh, on Venables, running all throughout the Fringe, uh, when you have a performance tonight, correct?
4: Tomorrow night Tomorrow we night. open 5.30 p.m. on Friday night, and our half-price show is on Saturday at 1 p.m. in the afternoon.
3: Marvelous. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks so much. All right. Back to Jake.
2: All right. Thank you, Mika, Stefan, and Randy. Uh, that, was, that was quite the performance we had on the air. I think we, we didn't get a time to put out a, a language warning, so <laughs> this is a retroactive language warning if anyone
3: um, That's right. If, if you were one. offended, then... then um, We would have apologized.
2: Yes, we we definitely (laughs) would have. Now, uh, in front of us is one of the busiest playwrights at this year's Fringe Festival. Yeah, there's
3: quite a few people that uh, are involved in more than one show. Uh, Some people are acting in one and and directing others and and all that kind of stuff. Um, And... uh,
2: well, Andrew Wade has uh, he he wrote the the book and and lyrics for Titus, um, a light and delightful musical comedy of Titus Andronicus. He yeah. also is the playwright of the most honest man in the world, which is um, a story about a lifelong journey for the pursuit of honesty over all happiness. And um, well, joining us here at the Fringe Bar is Andrew Wade. Welcome.
3: Thanks for having me. So you you um, you wrote. Basically, you've rewritten Shakespeare. Yes. So, uh, what, 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 what possessed you to want to do that?
6: <laughs> uh, I had done a fundraiser production of uh, Titus Andronicus as an actor, I want to say five years ago, and uh, it struck me that there are a lot of deep, touching, poignant moments in that show, and there are a lot of moments that are just also just beyond ridiculous.
3: It's the bloodiest play in Shakespeare's It's family. It is definitely the bloodiest play. It's like there's a
6: teenage Shakespeare that just decided, I'm going to take the grisliest, goriest, grimiest things I can think of and stick them all into a play.
3: Make <laughs> uh, them in a pie and make the queen eat them. Oh, yeah, you got to have eat cannibalism.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's cannibalism, rape, uh, your arms, hands getting cut off, tongues getting cut out. Um, and so the idea of trying to turn this into a musical comedy just had far too much appeal to me. Oh, of course. As if Shakespeare wanted to take Titus, a show that isn't performed a whole lot, mm-hmm. and uh, go, how can I make this more family-friendly? How can I make this uh, better for a wider audience so that people are going to enjoy it and come out of the theater humming?
3: Well, it sounds like people are already enjoying it. You've had one sellout already. You're expecting another one tomorrow, I think. Uh, sorry, tonight is the first show and it's
6: a sellout already. Yeah. So pre-sales alone have sold out the the opening night. So yeah, down at the uh, fire hall. Fire hall, yes. Yeah. I'm super All excited right. to see that myself. Okay. Because yes. I've been touring around this summer, so oh, I've so not you haven't been. seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen a run-through of this show yet. Tonight will be the first time I get
3: to see it on its feet in a stage. It's, yeah, mm. I'm super excited. All right, and you won't have much time because you're also in a show. You're doing a one-man show called "The Most Honest Man in the World." Tell us about that.
6: Yes, this is a, a storytelling show about my own obsession with honesty. So to give you an example, um, when I was nine years old, I had a paper route, so I'd go around delivering papers and uh, uh, dodge all the dangerous, scary animals, you know, big dogs, small dogs, cats. Yeah. Anyway, I would be listening to music on a little Sony Walkman at the time. It was a cassette player, uh, and one day a sad song came on. I believe it was from a burned cassette tape of Big Shiny Tunes 2. And I went, this is making me feel sad, but I have no reason to be sad. Music is emotionally manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> and so as someone who had this obsession with being genuine and honest, that means that's a false emotion being forced upon me. So at nine years old for an entire year, I refused to listen to music. Wow. Um, so the most honest man in the world, yes, is going through storytelling like that, talking about different moments in my life, yeah. uh, going through relationships where there are issues as the, an honest man, uh, and leading up to building a functioning polygraph machine or a lie detector machine on stage as part of the show. Um, so that if you don't... And then,
3: if and then do you bring members of the audience up to... Uh, no,
6: I, I, I try <laughs> not to make audience members too uncomfortable. But uh, if you don't believe me, you can believe the machine I'm strapped to, uh-huh. right?
3: Well, that's always worth it. And where is that, where's that being seen?
6: Uh, over at Arts Umbrella mm-hmm. on Granville Island. Yeah. Uh, yep, so it's one of the front classrooms there. So it's a nice, very intimate space. It's a classroom uh, with only 30 seats per performance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be nice. Terrific. So the first show tonight at 9:45. Yes, so I get to see the first hour of Titus's first show at <laughs> 8 and then I have to <laughs> frantically bicycle here <laughs> as quickly as possible to get to my own show. So if I seem a little out of breath tonight, that's why. Yeah. Yep.
1: So uh,
3: I want to know a little bit more about the process of putting together the uh, most honest man in the world. How long have you been writing this? Uh, I Honestly, there are germs of this
6: that began in a final project I did in 2011 for my theater degree at UVic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a vocal mask where you're portraying ten characters, and mine was going through my own personal struggles. And so part of that became a gem of a show, including at one point I do a Phantom of the Opera mock-off about as the Phantom of the Lunchatorium, <laughs> which made its way into this show. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's—I mean—it's been a lifetime in the making, right? Because yeah. it's all about throughout my entire life's journey.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope you have a great run, and uh, uh, thanks for dropping by and sharing with us. Yeah. Now, cool. um, now get on your bike and head down to the fire hall and see what's. I <laughs> what's will. Happening with that sold-out crowd. <laughs> <laughs> thanks right. so much for having thanks me. Thanks very much.
2: All right. Now I—I w- I had the pleasure of stopping by one of the rehearsals for Titus uh, the Light and delightful musical comedy and it is a really fun show it is delightful yeah it is you wouldn't think they'd be able to make it light but um but it's it's definitely a fun show and a a great musical number uh as well Uh uh-huh um so so we're here So we
3: have exhausted the guests that have arrived
2: that well that's not true we do have one guest who who will be here shortly and i I can even see him but he's um but before that we should talk about the space. We are here at the Fringe Bar. The Fringe Bar opens up at uh, s- 7, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a fully licensed bar, so uh, if you and are... And for
3: those who don't know, we're on Railspur Alley, which is uh, the little little road between the two main east-west roads on uh, Granville Island. It's ca- uh, The bar itself is called Off the Tracks, and uh, if you haven't been on the island for a while, it used to be called the Agro Café
2: was that. It's been a couple things uh, before in the past, but mm. um, but Off the Rails is here to stay, and they're really nice. Um, yeah.
3: They're yeah, they are very basically, m- we wouldn't you wouldn't be hearing <laughs> us if it wasn't for them.
2: That's true, they're supplying us with, with uh, the marvelous internet that carries our voices to the people.
3: <laughs> now right into your home.
2: W- now, Dave, I know that you are involved in, in a lot of the theater community, in the fringe community, how long have you been coming to Fringe shows?
3: Uh, I would say on a regular basis, probably for about fifteen years. Fifteen years yeah. of Fringe shows. Yeah. and off and on even before that, but um, uh, in fact, probably I probably was at and and at the Edmonton Fringe before even uh, I, I I did much in Vancouver. But I do r- like I when I've actually it's probably even longer than that now that I think about it because I. First, the first fringe shows I saw were on um, on Main Street. On oh, when the fringe before fring- the fringe when was, the fringe on, was on Main House. Street at uh, and uh, uh, there was um, we had the Cambrian Hall at 16th or 17th and Main, and uh, the uh, the Legion on, on 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 Main and Broadway, and and sort of the that whole area between Seventh Avenue Avenue and 16th on Main Street. That was where the fringe. Basically started in Vancouver, hmm. and then that was there for don't don't nail me down on this, but I think four or five years, and then it moved east. Oh, and Commercial Drive was the hub of the Fringe for a few years. That makes sense. The yeah. culture
2: there is uh, definitely applicable. Mm-hmm. What what is it about Fringe shows that kind of uh, speaks to you, or might be more accessible than than other well, theater? F-
3: for me, it's it's that um, uh, that sort of that quality of it that you don't know what you're going to get until you actually sit down and watch it, you could you could see something that's just painfully bad, or you could see something that is just a, an incredibly beautiful piece of art, in the same room in the sa- you know, in the in the same space, w- one right after the other, and there's no real way of predicting ahead of time uh, uh, what's what's going to work and what's not until it actually happens. Plus the the fact that you're you're exposed to um, uh, performers and, and artists from all around the world who come to Vancouver for the Fringe that you wouldn't be able to see uh, in such an intimate space for such a reasonable price.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very reasonable. You it's a, one of the most accessible. I, well I think accessibility is part of the mandate. You can come. There's half-price shows you can see. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, very, very cool mm-hmm. for that reason.
3: I remember one year I... Uh, I was down here on Granville Island, and I had uh, I had tickets for a show, and I was about an hour early, and I didn't want to just wander around the island doing nothing. So I picked up my Fringe guide, and I looked to see what was if there were any short shows. You know, there's sometimes you can see something that's in half an hour, 45 minutes long, and there was something called "I Have a Bachelor of Fine Arts Degree." And it was a one-person show about uh, a, a young actor who had just graduated, and it was basically a monologue of her hiding out in the bathroom at the UBC War Memorial Gym just before the convocation ceremony. I'm
2: familiar with that gym. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, and it was great. It was marvelous. She, she you know she just put together this this half an hour, 45-minute monologue of of, uh, of just sort of the the the, the uh, the universal experience of being a fine arts grad and i've just spent four years uh, of my life pursuing my dream and now i have this piece of paper that basically means nothing
2: it means you can get a fringe show to get means. a fringe yeah. show
3: that's about it <laughs> what have i done with my life and uh four years later I uh, played her father in Theater Under the Stars. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, very
2: cool. Um, in Footloose. Well, so the, the Fringe Bar is here every night. Again, it's uh, right, so right outside of Off the Rails Cafe. Yeah. And the Fringe Bar is a musical space. So there are free concerts every night. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting from 6 to 8, and right at 8 o'clock, music starts tonight with Ford Pier Vengeance Trio, mm-hmm. Adrian Teacher in the Subs, and City of Glass, who are closing the set out. So, um, so do come on down for free music, and there will be a fully operational bar. Oh, I'm hoping it's up soon. Um, <laughs> tomorrow well, it's tomorrow
3: it's, uh, My clock says 6.38, uh, so we have 20 minutes.
2: Although it would certainly be against CRTC regulations if we were too involved in the Fringe Bar ourselves.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just informing the listener that if you come in 20 minutes, the bar will be open and you can enjoy yourself while we we entertain you.
2: And the music is on for the everyday of the Fringe. Um, Other... Artists include Tomorrow, Colin Cowan, and the Elastic Stars. There's going to be, uh, well, Viper Central is sort of a a country folk bluegrass band. Uh, Monday, there will be the third annual Fringe Square Dance, which is happening with Paul Silvera. Um, and so all sorts of things. And one band that many C I T R listeners will be familiar with is Supermoon. Oh yeah. Supermoon is playing next Thursday, one week today, at nine p.m. with um, with the band Uptights as well as DJ mm-hmm. Freaky Gucci. Um, and so here is just a little taste
1: of Supermoon to try and uh, bring you down. <laughs>
2: live from the Fringe Bar. Uh, That was Supermoon with Tragedy. They will be playing the Fringe Bar in one week's time. Tonight, if you come down, you will see- um, I think it's Ford Pier. Ford Pier, that's right. Ford Pier Vengeance Trio, which is uh, a mouthful. Also, Adrian Teacher and the subs are here at um, nine o'clock. And City of Glass have a DJ set to really rein in the opening night of Fringe. Um okay now joining us um here we have Derek Chan who uh welcome.
7: Hello, hi everybody. I'm Derek Chan of Rice and Beans Theater. I'm the rice and uh uh the beans is Pedro Jamal who is uh prepping a show right now. Uh yeah, we're opening tonight.
2: Okay, r- and Rice of Beans Theater, uh you mentioned Pedro tell us about um about the show that you're directing with him.
7: Uh yes, uh we are uh, I'm actually directing two shows. Uh one that's opening tonight is called Star Stuff, for Aspera at Astro, it's about a uh, one-man space trip, and um, uh, yeah, that one is the winner of the uh, Fringe New Play Prize, which I luckily won. Hey, yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, so uh, that one got in the Fringe, and then um, Pedro's uh, solo show, it's called Small Town Hoser Spick. It's about him uh, growing up as one of the four Latino people um, up in small town northern bc and uh that opens
3: i think up. the title says it all
7: <laughs> i know that's uh yeah I, that one should be a great fun time uh he is um gonna perform quite a few uh, small town feats in the show like what like um maybe chugging a beer in under 10 seconds i think his record time's about eight seconds now wow. yeah yeah that's i didn't like think
3: that's better than a fucking bronco i know
7: i didn't think he could still do it <laughs> i've known him for for 10 years and so yeah. wh- where is where, that going to be? They are both going to be at the Colch, uh, oh. Historic. Okay. Lovely place. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when's the first performance? Uh, first performance of uh, Star Stuff? Of okay, uh, both of them. Great. So Star Stuff is tonight at 8.50. Mm-hmm. And uh, Small Town, who's her is at? Uh, it's on uh, tomorrow uh, on the 11th. First show was at 10.25, uh, 10.45 or something? 10.25, you
3: 10 got 25. that off I of did memory. Didn't mean to put you on the spot there. <laughs> Jake, Jake's got all the information <laughs> right in front of him there. So. <laughs> great, great. Well,
2: no. Derek, one of the things I want to ask you about is that you're so you're directing both plays. Um, yes. One of them, you are the playwright, and the other, Pedro, wrote. Yes. Uh, what is it like directing? Well, wha- how do you find the difference when, when you're the director and the <laughs> playwright, and how is it directing someone who wrote the play that they're starting? in?
7: Great. Uh, directing my own writing uh, has been something that I I've been doing since I graduated, sin- since since the, the company started. So that's been my kind of my main mode of uh, uh, operation, and um, it it's great in the sense that in rehearsal I can switch hats from director to playwright and go, okay, I'm changing this as the playwright, and then I can also look at it as a director and go, well, is this scene not working because of the writing or because of uh, I'm not approaching it uh, uh, right, um, and then. And then uh, with Small Town, uh, it's nice to finally not direct my own writing for once. <laughs> and and um, since it's Pedro who's the writer, and I've been working with him for for five years uh, outside school and more when we were still at uh, university. So um, it it's also been a very fluid conversation in rehearsal um, when uh, when we're just. Uh, doing dramaturgical sessions i'm um, talking about uh, the writing itself, and then we can switch back to a uh, director and performer and then we can talk about the performance and uh, building scenes and things like that yeah
2: I'm sure that after five years and more of of working together in friendship, you kind of build a relationship where you understand each other oh yeah we
7: um uh, there we we pick up such minute cues from each other um, we just most of the time we know right away what e- what uh, each other wants and um and it, it's funny, and then we, we resolve. Um, sometimes when we have um, uh, differences in opinions, we uh, from the outside it looks like we just fight and fight and fight and fight and fight, and suddenly reach an agreement. And it's kind of true, but, uh, but but we do it in with an understanding that it's it's not it's never personal. It's really just
2: about the shows. Yeah. Uh, now I want to ask you about Star Stuff. Yeah. Um, the full title here that I have fr- in front of me is Star Stuff per aspera ad astra
7: yes through hardship to the stars and
2: that, mu- that must be latin
7: it is it's uh, it's a it's a phrase that um that is used by quite a few uh, as 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 a model for um uh, by quite a few uh, space agencies and educational um uh, organizations actually and um i just thought that it's um pretty fitting that uh, for the show you know for really every every journey uh, we have to
3: so what, what, what got you uh, thinking about writing about s- traveling through the stars? <laughs> uh, it's really about – I'm interested in traveling,
7: any, any kind of traveling from one world to another. Uh, I think this fascination comes from me having moved uh, quite a few times uh, since I was a teenager. I uh, grew up in Hong Kong, turned 16, moved to Norway for two years, and then somehow ended up here uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, anything travel related uh, fascinates me. And about about leaving leaving everything uh, or most things you have behind to go somewhere else to find what you're really looking for, even though you might not know what exactly it is yet. And um, and that's difficult and, and romantic and and amazing. Yeah,
2: it's well, definitely a show about about journeys. You talk about the parallels in the show between yeah.
7: space travel and, and, childbirth. and childbirth. Yeah.
2: Do, can you expand on that a little bit oh for us?
7: Yeah, that was, uh, well, the story is uh, basically there's a parallel of talking, there's um, uh, uh, Thomas, who's our uh, uh, astronaut going to space, looking for a space signal. And then we also see his parents, uh, uh, mama and papa in the show they're called right now. Uh, and they are um, talking about all the um, possible things that could go wrong with Thomas's uh, uh, pregnancy, and um, so we kind of go back and forth in time about Thomas going through um, worlds, traveling across worlds into different senses, and uh, what happens to him and everybody else around him when he does that.
2: Very cool. Yeah. Very yeah, you're yeah. You're and how are you yeah. feeling? You're
7: about to, you're, uh, oh, you've got your bicycle here. I am here. excited. I'm <laughs> super excited to see Cell and uh, also a uh, small town tomorrow. It's just going to be an amazing, wonderful, fantastical piece that has a bit of everything, and uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. You'll,
3: you'll be experiencing your own
7: kind of childbirth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an exciting and um, colorful one, let's say. What
8: time
7: is it at? 8.50 tonight at the Colch.
2: 850 it's described as weird and poetic and intimate and i'm sure all of those things will be will be delivered yeah
9: oh yeah <laughs> i did
7: pick those categories and they are true they are very very true
1: yeah
2: excellent uh and we'll best uh we'll enjoy enjoy the performance yeah. and of course small town hoser spick um which opens tomorrow tomorrow um so enjoy both of those yeah, yeah
7: thanks for, guys thanks for dropping by and telling of course, of course. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. Alright. Thank you for taking the time with us. Yeah, thanks. Bye bye.
2: All right, Dave. Dave, we are here. Yes, we are. We're meeting we got new faces. Hotel spaces. California
3: going on down the down the road. I think that you can't walk around
2: Granville Island without hearing someone playing Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like glad that I we're think it's not. It's an
3: act of Parliament or something because this is you know, federal territory here.
2: If we were too close to them, we'd probably have to categorize it as, we have to log it. Yeah, we'd, we'd have to we log, yeah, it, have to log it, so
3: be, be careful. We only get
2: 10% hits <laughs> for, for CITI station. Uh, well, thank you for everyone tuning in. Uh, this is, of course, a special live broadcast from the Fringe Bar. I am here with Radio Dave. Um, hey, and I'm here with Radio Jake. That's... <laughs> And we use these names wherever we are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Excellent. Uh, So music's starting now with someone's playing Hotel California. There's probably pan flutes happening. Uh, The the Fringe Bar is about to be set up at some point soon. We're all eagerly awaiting that moment. and we have a couple colorful. Uh, we've got some beautiful costumed folks behind us. And let me just excuse me for a moment while I, I go uh, grab them for the air. Oh, okay. And so I'm leaving. So you're just gonna leave
3: me here? Moment.
2: I am gonna leave you here right now. Yeah, I didn't prepare you for <laughs> that.
3: There's <was> no. <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me describe if I can the scene down here. Um, one of the people, actually, one of the, uh, uh, one of the guests that we had hoped to uh, get down here, but unfortunately he had, to, um, he had to bow out at the last second, is Jacques Lalonde. And, and Jacques has been a friend for uh, a few years, and he is a, a mainstay uh, at the Vancouver Fringe. He's been involved with every Fringe for uh, 25 years or more. In fact, uh, the only time that he didn't get to perform was uh, two years ago when he actually suffered a stroke two months before the fringe started and uh, he came back the next year with a play about having a stroke so that's the kind of guy Jacques is uh this year he's doing um a closer walk with Jean Chrétien his tribute to uh Canada's uh I think he was our 20th prime minister or 18th anyway he was prime minister in the 90s and uh he was a great singer and so Jacques uh, uh Jean Chrétien or Jacques? No Jacques's a great singer but so is Jean Chrétien and so I- we've combined these two towns together to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the um, the, uh, the first time that that show was performed, and that's going to be down at the Havana. But now our guests have arrived.
2: Our guests have arrived. Yes, um, Katie and Nick are in front of us, looking entirely immaculate. <laughs> um, very formal. Very formal. formal yes. yes. The the play the, the play is Edgar Allan, and uh, well, welcome, welcome to the show.
0: Thank Th- you. Thank you. Very happy, happy to, be to be here. here.
2: Uh, now, we, we only have one microphone for, for the two of us, so we'll have to um, get intimate and share it uh, closely and speak uh, louder than, than perhaps uh, that is int- You've got it. <laughs> it. Yeah, that is very, very good. Okay, Edgar Allan, um, you too wrote Edgar Allan
0: did uh we uh wrote it for um a festival in minneapolis minnesota uh called the twin cities horror festival that started
5: that's tchorrorfestival.com for those traveling east and south
0: and um we created this show in 2013 um for that particular festival and we've uh been touring it ever since so are you two from minnesota I am from Minnesota originally, uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota.
5: We met at school. I'm from Kansas. Uh,
0: And then we moved out to uh, Brooklyn, New York about, uh, coming up on six years ago.
2: Now, can you describe for our listeners how you're dressed at the moment?
5: Uh, We are in formal wear that would be worn by uh, English boarding school students, perhaps from the late 1700s. Even into the twentieth century,
2: it doesn't say school, boarding school to me. It, it seems a little bit more formal than that.
0: Oh, boarding schools were very formal affairs in those days. Uh, you had to look your best to be the best.
5: And our our show takes place in about eighteen twenty one. So these are these are pre Edwardian uh, uh, morning jackets.
3: Yeah, the tailcoats and the whole rest. Um, does does the, so the play takes place in a boarding school?
5: Yes, it takes place at Manor House School, which is the boarding school that Edgar Allan Poe was sent to by his foster parents, the Allens. Yes. And what happened to him there? He uh it, uh, it he had a ver- he had a distinguishing. Um, uh, he he went he went there. From about when he was, I believe, seven to a, to ten years old, but uh, specifically why it interested us is because he has a short story that he wrote uh, called William Wilson, and it is about it is about an eleven year old named William Wilson who goes to Manor House boarding school and meets his shadow. And so, our our job in, in bringing this to life was in was uh, we we wanted to integrate more of Edgar Allan Poe's childhood biography, uh, kind of the psychology surrounding his his upbringing, as well as a, a combining that with his some of his lesser known short stories.
0: So we basically took the uh, semi autobiographical story of William Wilson. We just made it more biographical, basically. Um, yeah, and,
5: and we've added we've added other uh, for, for Poe fans. There are little Easter eggs from other shows, like or I mean, from other from other short stories, like the Black Cat, the Cask of Amontillado, um, Eleonora, that they w- that they w- they might recognize. But it is certainly not a requirement. You don't need to be familiar with Poe's work or Poe in order to enjoy the show.
2: Well, one of the things about a lot of the fringe shows here is you, um, when you flip through the fringe guide, you hear about um, what what the subject is of a play, but it could go in any direction. Any play, you don't know if it's going to be funny or serious or dramatic or um, or accurate and, and very serious. But um, a lot of Edgar Allan Poe's work is very serious. You're dressed very formally, but. But I suspect that this is a, a rather funny play.
5: We think it's we think it's funny. Um, it is. It's a play with music. I play y- I play ukulele, and and Nick plays uh, trumpet in the show, and so uh, we do try to we th- when we were going through Edgar Allan Poe's work. He has he has a very keen sense of humor. It's very dark. He is. He is the father of American Gothic literature, but um, we, uh, he had us in stitches, and so we are, we're hoping that, that we're staying true to his work and that it is, it is very funny.
0: Well, and, and specifically <laughs> the short story that was kind of the spine of our piece, which was William Wilson. Um, as we began to stage uh, elements of that short story, we realized that this is an 11-year-old who's speaking like a 45-year-old general about the uh, the trials and tribulations of boarding school. So the second we just started kind of playing the truth of that statement and just uh, saying, Katie, just play an 11-year-old boy and say these words, and inherently it just becomes ridiculous.
3: Oh, that's what we want, ridiculous. Yes, okay.
2: Ridiculous is definitely uh, well at home in the Fringe Festival now. You've also worked together on The Legend of the White Woman. Um, Can you tell us about that? The Legend
5: of White Woman Creek.
0: Yes. Yes, that uh, that was a folk opera that we created in 2012. Uh, It's a one-woman folk opera that Katie performs based on a ghost story from western Kansas uh, where Katie's grandparents were from uh, that she used to visit as a child. Um, And we basically took this ghost story and created What's essentially a concept folk album on stage, uh, basically at the beginning, Katie comes out as a ghost hunter, she says we're going to summon the ghost of Anna Wee, who figures into that ghost story. She lights 12 candles, becomes possessed, picks up a guitar, and then sings the ghost tragic tale for 55 minutes. Um, And we performed this piece at the fire hall uh, last year, um, and it was our first time to Vancouver, and we had such a good time, we decided we needed to come back with this show.
2: Well, we're glad that you did. So
0: you're, so you're
3: doing both shows here now? No, no, just no, just, no. Just, Edgar just Edgar Allen. Edgar so Edgar. where can we see Edgar Allen?
0: We are at the review stage, uh, which is a beautiful stage right here on Granville Island. Um, and yeah, we have
5: 1601 Johnston Street. We have five more performances. And our, and our next performance is Sunday at 510.
2: That's right. You are in costume because you came here straight from your opening night. Opening night.
5: Yes.
2: Well, tell us about opening night.
0: It went it fantastic. Um, had a lovely crowd for 5 p.m. on a Thursday, at like literally the first.
5: Hardcore Fringers. Yeah, the
0: hardcore Fringers. Um, and it's a great stage to play on. Our, our tech, Alberto, is uh, fantastic. And yeah, it's just it's a very nice uh, nice kind of three-quarter thrust stage, um, so you have an audience surrounding intimate. you.
3: I will let you in on a little, little secret. You will be some of the last uh, groups to perform on that stage. Because uh, the review stage is run by the Arts Club Theater Company, and they are abandoning it and uh, moving their small theater to a new facility uh, close to Main Street, oh. and so uh, the the uh, the main Granville Island stage will still be here, but the review stage is going to be absorbed by the public market. So this is sort of the, the, the big farewell.
5: So the theater won't be there any it at be all? A anymore at all. Oh, well well we we're
3: honored. we we are honored to uh, well, so play it. both of you for joining us. Thank you. Did you have any more questions? Sorry, Jake, I sort of <laughs> stepped on your interview. But
2: oh No, I, uh, well I second that. Thank you for taking the time with us and com- coming down right after your performance. Thank,
1: thank you Jake, very thank much. much. Thank you, Jake.
2: Thank you. Alright, now tonight there is music. One of those bands is Adrian Teacher and the Subs. That is his current band. His previous band was called Apollo Ghosts, and here they are with Lightweight. back to CITR Radio, 101.9 FM in Vancouver and around the world at CITR.ca. You are tuned into a special live broadcast of the Arts Report from the Fringe Festival Bar. The bar looks like it's set up right now. I think people are starting to get drinks. In about one hour's time, there will be music here. But before then, um, we are talking with Sean Harris-Oliver. Sean, welcome to the program. Thanks Thanks for having me. Now, you have uh, you have written a play called The Fighting Season here at Fringe. Yeah, that's right. And it is um, debuting tonight at 1045 at the Carousel Theatre on Granville Island. What can you tell us
10: about The Fighting Season? Uh, the play is uh, was inspired by my father, who went over to Afghanistan in 2008, where he served uh, as an orthopedic surgeon at the Roll 3 Multinational Medic Unit in uh, Kandahar, airfield base so canada during the afghan war the thing that we were really responsible for was running uh the hospital Mm -hmm. and uh i had a little bit of unique perspective in the sense that my dad served over there uh to be able to speak with him and get some insight about uh how canada contributed to the war in afghanistan how old were you when your father was in Afghanistan? I was 23 or 24, and I remember him um, enlisting to go over, and I remember him being quite excited, and uh, he was pretty gung-ho. And I remember he came back after six weeks, and it was just that he had changed a little bit. His uh, his excitement had sort of gone down a little bit. They they had seen some things over there that weren't they weren't seeing in other wars. And so the play is... Uh, is told from the perspective of uh, a medic in the field, an OR surgeon, and a nurse. And they're all Canadian, and it's just some insight into the lives of people that were serving in Afghanistan. So it's not too much about the war, it's mainly about the healthcare professionals that were there.
2: Um, And your father uh, served that role in real life. As you say, he was a great resource for writing this play. Um, Is... How closely were you drawing on his experience for writing the play?
10: Well, I had to talk to my dad a lot, and I did some interviews with um, uh, a medical technician and nurses, but it's more difficult to get information uh, from those people because usually they are still affiliated with the Canadian Forces, Mm. and they're not super comfortable speaking too much about their experiences, whereas being able to speak to my dad, he served as a civilian, so he's not doesn't have the same sort of uh there's not the same protocol right as with the dealing with someone who's actually in the army so it was a great resource to say hey like what what was going on what were you doing uh questions that i wouldn't have been able to ask other people
1: mm-hmm. um
2: you you mentioned that he went over in a serving capacity uh he, w- he was serving in afghanistan but not in a combat role in a in a medical role uh what what do you remember about um, the time leading up to him going? And sort of the, um, you mentioned that there was a, a big sense of pride and, a, and an excitement, but w-
10: was there was there fear as well? Uh, I think a lot of that came uh, from mostly from my mom um, and the family. She started to get really worried in the days leading up to him going over. Uh, I think that he was excited for sort of an adventure of being there. Uh, so there was there was definitely a sense of, you know, you're going into a combat zone. The way that they got in there was they would bring them in in the middle of the night in a Hercules plane, and they put them in helmets and flak vests. So you were going into a place where it was a combat zone. So there was a certain amount of safety, but, uh, you know, to get into the country, you were armed to get in. So there was, you know, the stakes were high for being there. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, this play is directed by Evan Frane, um And it,
2: you mentioned there's the three... What were the three roles again? There's a, a medic and a nurse. Yeah, there's a
10: combat medic, uh, an OR surgeon, and, and a nurse. So the nurse is played by Siona Garrow-Brennan, and she's a French-Canadian... Uh, the character is French-Canadian, so she's a French-Canadian actress. Uh, Tom Pickett, who was uh, nominated for a Jesse Award this year, is playing the OR surgeon. And then Kyle Jesperson, who is the Jesse Award winner... He is uh, the guy playing the combat medic. And Evan Frayne uh, just recently won the Jesse Richardson Award in directing for his work on The Foreigner at Pacific Theater. So it's a pretty good creative lineup that we've put up together. Well, what can
2: you tell us about the journey that these characters um, go on in the play?
10: That's a really interesting question. Uh, a lot of what I started to find out as I got into my research was these. People are coming back from Afghanistan. They've served their time there, and th- they haven't been hurt in the way that you know a soldier has been hurt physically. And you think of movies like *Born on the Fourth of July* and *The Hurt Locker*, or things where people come back and they've incurred some kind of injury. The, the injuries that the healthcare professionals have sustained are more psychological. They're, they're coming back with some sort of baggage from being involved in a combat zone where they were seeing injuries where know my dad was showing me an x-ray of a guy's knee and you know i grew up in a house where he was a doctor and i've seen x-rays before but the the knee is just the bones are gone it's like well dad what what would you do with that he's like i just cut their legs off so that that was what resonated with me and where i got the idea to to Uh pursue it further because like how how do you how what's your life like now that you've experienced that so that's what we learn about in the play, is how are these people coming back and dealing with their lives now that they're home? So the play occurs both in real time and through memory of being in Afghanistan.
2: You mentioned that your father um, had a noticeable change in in his demeanor and, and in his person upon his return. Um, was was talking with you in, in reference for the play, um, do you think that that was a, any therapeutic um, activity for them at all?
10: I'm not sure. Uh, that's like I'd like to think so. Uh, doctors do this really interesting little thing where they, they put themselves back. Like, they create a barrier for themselves, and I think that that's just what they need to do to sort of survive their job. So mm-hmm. it's hard to get through to them sometimes when you're talking with them with these questions. I'm sort of hoping that the play itself will be something that people like my dad or people that have gone through something like this can see and don't have to talk about it to get to process some of that stuff because some of them are really not interested in speaking about it because it does hold some sort of whatever emotion or something is going on there so i mean my dad will talk with me a little bit about it but he definitely will shut down at a certain point he's like he doesn't want to get into it too much and has he has he read the play? Uh, yeah, he's read uh, he's read drafts of it because he had to he he also sort of worked with us as a consultant to say, Okay, this is not really feasible or that was happening. So he's read it so he understands it. But it's one thing for someone, you know, my dad, he's not a theater artist. It's one thing for him to read a script and then for another thing for him to see it live, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to read it, it's another thing to see it performed. Even for me, Having written it, when I watch it performed, I go, "Oh, wow! Yeah, these are real people. This isn't just something that I wrote down on a page. So that's really interesting."
2: Uh, you you are dressed um, well. Could you describe
10: how you're dressed at the moment? <laughs> I am wearing blue pants and a blue shirt, and they're medical scrubs. And so I'm walking around handing out flyers to the show, and I keep on saying to people, "Have you seen the doctor show? Have you seen the doctor show?" <laughs> And they go, what's the doctor show? I'm like, oh, it's about doctors that went to Afghanistan. They're like, oh, what's that like? I'm like, it's like a serious episode of MASH. And people are like, oh, I love MASH. And I'm like, yeah, it's like MASH.
1: See you there. It's just like MASH. It's the same.
2: Well, I think that you can sell people on the serious and intensity of it, too. Uh, Vancouver Presents um, has given it four stars. um, And, of course... You mentioned all the accolades of the performance in it as well.
10: Yep. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the performers are great. I know the show is really uh, dialed in. Um, we had an opportunity to workshop it for quite a long time, so the script is in a really good place. I think that what people are going to see is a very uh, good artistic product. Maybe, maybe people might find it serious, but I think that it's information that Canadians need to know about and understand. We had some test audiences come in to see it. We had some Australians in, they said, Wow, that was so fascinating. We had no idea that's what Canadians did in Afghanistan. I said, Most Canadians don't know that that's what Canadians did in Afghanistan. So, at the very least, people will learn something about what Canada contributed to that war. Because a lot of people go, Oh, that was the worst thing that we shouldn't have been there. Well, yes agreed but we were there what did we do as a country there and we had a very important job and it was healthcare. that's what we were known for
2: it sounds like a really uh informed and interesting perspective and hopefully people will will come out of it with um with a little knowledge as well a little bit
10: of awareness yep totally
2: well sean thank you very much for taking the time with us and um and enjoy enjoy the performance are are you front and center i'm gonna be sitting there
10: front and center cheering them on yeah i'm just gonna be sitting there
2: all right. Well, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. Um, now, the fighting season, Canada's Doctors in Afghanistan, is tonight. will be uh, debuting at 10.45 p.m. Thursday, September the 10th, and it's running um, throughout the whole rest of the fringe at the Carousel uh, Carousel Theatre in Granville Island, so please do come down. We are, of course... Live from the Fringe Bar, you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. We have a special live broadcast. And Dave, what surprises do you have in store for our listeners? Surprises.
3: Uh, <laughs> I was hoping that you would have surprises. He's, gonna, he's surprising me with surprises. Well, we've got some more music. Uh, we're going to hear uh, from uh, Colin Cowan. And uh, the Electric Stars.
2: And Colin Cowan will be here um, tomorrow. They are performing tomorrow night at this very Fringe Bar. So they're setting up right now. um, The umbrellas are going up. The beer is starting to be served. Sound check is happening in the background. Um, Tonight you can catch, uh, who is it tonight again? Ford Pier. Ford Pier's Pier's playing tonight.
3: So Colin Cowan's tomorrow night? They're tomorrow night, All right. Well, let's hear (laughs) them.
2: Back to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. We're broadcasting live from the Fringe Bar, and we just heard Guitar Brother by Apollo, Apollo Ghosts. And Adrian Teacher, formerly of Apollo Ghosts, is performing tonight in about two hours' time or so. Nine yeah. o'clock, I think they're going to kick around. Before that, Fringe, Fear, Ford. Ford Pier. Ford Pier. Ford Pier. Ford Pier, yeah. Fringe. At the Fringe. At the Fringe. Fringe Pier. Yeah if yeah, you drive Jake's your Jake's Ford. Here all day. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> um, okay, and uh, we are here with some special guests who are hot off of their opening performance of Eurydice. Welcome um, welcome to the
3: show. Yeah, so we've got uh, is it would you say Plan Z Theater is that what you're called? Plan Z. Okay. Or Z
11: if you're Canadian.
3: Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter what we call it. What do you call it?
11: Well, I'm Canadian, he's American, so oh, <laughs> I say Plan Z. I see um, it's
3: a Potato kind
5: of thing. A little bit. I yes. don't know
3: anyone who says potato. So All well, <laughs> right, so let's start with
12: names. Uh, I am Brandon. I'm Eleanor. And what is
3: your involvement with
12: Eurydice? Uh, we are co-producing the show, and I am playing um, Orpheus
3: in the show.
11: And I directed.
3: Alright. Now, uh, for those who aren't familiar, who didn't take uh, Greek literature in, in university, uh, tell us a little bit about the story of Orpheus and Eurydice.
11: Sure, so uh, traditionally, it's the um, myth where Eurydice and Orpheus get married, and then she is duped by a snake and bitten and dies, falls into the underworld, and he's a brilliant musician, and he sings his songs and gets accepted through past the gates of hell, and um, the conditions of her following him back up to the uh, overworld are that he doesn't look back, while she follows him and the end of the story. He does look back, she falls back into oblivion and lost forever. And it's
1: the yeah. End. It's,
3: freak, it's a tragedy. Exactly. No it's <laughs> now now, how is your version of it differ or or what's what's your unique take on this story?
12: Well, Sarah Rule is the playwright and she's written the most quirky retelling of a Greek myth you've ever heard. It's just it's so bizarre and there's so many Interesting twists and turns, and this, uh, the story isn't quite as cut and dry as it may usually seem um, just you know, from the myth. she's actually added quite a different thing uh, a lot of different things. And, and the big difference obviously, is that it's told from Eurydice's point of view, from his wife's point of view. it follows her into the underworld, and you get little snippets of what Orpheus's journey is like, um, trying to get her back, but mostly you just follow her, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah.
3: So what does she go through?
12: Well she's reunited with her, excuse me, with her father. Um, who has been in the underworld for quite a while. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, at first, when you arrive in the underworld, you can't remember anything. And so his her, her uh, father's comes to find her, and she doesn't remember him. And so it's this uh, process of her remembering who she is, um, who her father is, who Orpheus is, and, um, yeah, getting getting to know him again.
3: Um. Now, Orpheus is a musician, so is there music in the show as well? There is.
11: Yeah, the sound has been designed by Ryan, S- Ryan Scramstead and it's A gorgeous soundtrack that um, he put together and collaborated with me, and would send me emails, be like, "How about this?" And I'd be like, "Wow, that's amazing! What about this?" And um, yeah, it's a gorgeous soundtrack that underscores a lot of the play.
3: Like a a big orchestration, or like what, what kind of things can we expect?
11: Yeah, there's some um, like big classical orchestra-sounding stuff. There's some like weird electric-sounding sliding sounds. There's some guitar. Uh, Brandon plays the ukulele on stage.
12: Um. Seems like
3: everyone's got a ukulele these days. <laughs> uh, well, I
12: had to join the club. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so yeah, much know, fun. Know, you don't
3: want to be left out. <laughs> yeah,
12: now I get to do it on stage, too. It's yeah. perfect.
3: Uh, which theater are you playing at?
11: Pacific Theater, mm-hmm. uh, which is up on West 12th and Hemlock.
3: Yeah, Yeah, it's a really nice venue up there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, is this your first uh, Vancouver Fringe experience?
12: Yes, Yes it is. It is. Uh, we've worked together on quite a few shows um, prior to this, um, but yeah. The Fringe was next on in our sights. Yeah, so
3: how's that been for you? It?
12: It's been quite a, quite a learning curve, I gotta say. Like, yeah. there's yeah, um, especially co-producing. You're not alone there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I told Eleanor um, after we went to a publicity workshop. The Fringe is so good about like helping you through the process and giving you the resources you need. And we went to a publicity workshop, and I remember turning to her and saying, "We're kind of throwing ourselves into the deep end of the pool here. Like, but what better way to learn to swim? And, and uh, you know, so many cool uh, art thing uh, theater artists out here. So get to learn from them.
3: All right, so uh, you now I've forgotten already. You've had one performance already?
11: Opening night was tonight at 5 o'clock, yeah. Yes.
3: <laughs> and then when's, ne- when's it next?
11: Tomorrow night, 10.45? Uh, 10 10 no,
3: 10.30,
12: I believe. Yeah, 10.30. Okay.
11: And that's our half-price show.
12: Yes, uh, so please
3: come.
11: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
12: and you can find us in the BYOV section of um, the Fringe Guide. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, so that's Eurydice playing at Pacific Theater. Thank you both for uh, for joining us, and have a great run. So much.
11: Thank you so much.
3: All right, Jake. I think it's time for more music.
2: I would certainly agree. I just remembered, Dave. Uh, I was here yesterday. I was just looking over at the uh, at the stage, and I I was here yesterday testing some of the connections with with Sarah. Yeah. And right when I was standing over there, I was about to leave. I had my bicycle and there was a really cute little girl. She was about three or four years old Uh and just super cute with her grandma here walking around. And um, they were asking what was going on the stage and stuff like that and I said, oh, you know, we're here. There's gonna be the Fringe Bar, there's gonna be music and we're gonna do a live broadcast. And this little girl says, oh, I'm terribly sorry, terribly sorry, but you, you won't be able to do it in the dark you won't be able to do it after dark and i was like oh no like what are we gonna (laughs) be able to do why didn't we think of that we're getting (laughs) kicked out by this little girl and i said well what if i think event we worked through a bunch of scenarios and i said like well we've got permission like we have lights and we're you know adults and stuff and she's like eventually i got her to concede that um if we all if everybody has a flashlight then then the little girl and she was really really adorable she kept saying like i'm terribly sorry terribly sorry but you won't be able to do
3: that well that was that was good of her to to be look out for you like that
2: very good of her. so i guess this song will go to her because we don't have flashlights it's getting dark it will be dark soon but uh but this next song is called power suits and so uh, i think if we had power suits then then we would yeah
3: then we would have our own light
2: power suits by supermoon they will be here at this very stage next week and every night there's free music uh including tonight so if you're in the neighborhood and if you are free um and if you're mobile and if you're not in the neighborhood then come to granville island here is super moon <laughs>
9: It's going by Someone. Someone tied the flag wrong with its knot Someone. Someone tied the flag wrong, they'll get caught Someone. Someone tied the flag wrong, now it's falling down from the sky I Tear it down a new Newcastle Smoke out of spite again Now you know why I went away While my hair changed from brown to grey Lies that go
3: Just told me that uh, one of them is going to be here tonight. Is that right?
2: That is right. Uh, an ex-Apollo ghoster um, is Adrian Teacher. And uh-huh. Adrian Teacher and the subs are, you'll hear their music from this very location. From,
3: from the Fringe Bar.
2: From the Fringe Bar. All
3: right. So that's great. We are at the Fringe Bar at the Fringe Festival on Granville Island in Vancouver. Uh, we're doing a live uh, remote here. Uh, For you at home on CITR 101.9 FM We've been talking to some of the artists that are going to be appearing throughout the festival over the next uh, week and a half And uh, uh, Jake is here with another performer Who have you got, Jake?
2: That's right, well Brendan McLeod is uh, just coming off of his first performance of Brain And welcome Brendan to CITR Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty, pretty great. Good, thanks for having me. Uh, this is, of course, uh, we are of the Arts Report, and we're um, here doing a special at Granville Island um, for the Fringe Festival. And you've just, like, you're running right from your first performance. Yeah, uh, I am. And how did it go? <laughs> it went good. Okay, good, yeah. 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 Um, tell us about Brain.
8: Uh, brain is about the miracle of consciousness, which I should learn to say with a straight face. But... That's what it's about. I should uh, learn
2: to hear that with a straight face, no,
8: maybe. No, yeah. no. No one does. It sounds really pretentious, but it's not, a, it's not that pretentious of a show. It's, uh, <laughs> maybe it's not pretentious at all. Maybe it is kind of pretentious. It sounds really pretentious. It's a lot like this. It's a lot of listening to my neurotic ramblings. It's about, uh, I have a thing called uh, Puro, which is a derivative of obs- obsessive compulsive disorder. So it's like where you get obsessions in your head and you can't stop them. Uh, so Can you give us
2: an example of, of what that might be?
8: Uh, Like classic examples are uh, religion, uh, praying a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Um. uh, A classic OCD example, of course, is the people who are obsessed with dirt, who think everything is uh, dirty and they always do clean things. But uh, in in this case, it would be just the thoughts about dirt and no compulsion. So I don't have any of the physical aspects of that. So anyways, it's about uh, my kind of journey through that. It's uh, mostly funny and then it's like super dark and then it's hopefully a little uplifting at the end. Like ba-da-ba-da-ba.
2: It's described as funny and intense. Uh, it's yeah, a, w- sure. a one-hour performance. Yeah. Um, you sent an email to us uh, earlier during the promotions, and, and you said there were four reasons why why perhaps for the Arts Report it would be um, a good fit to cover Brain. And one <laughs> did of I? I? You know. did, <laughs> yes, Okay, good, yeah, good. good I've good. got it in front of me. I can <laughs> yeah. pull it up. <laughs> but um, the very first one is that uh, the first reason is that mental illness can be funny. Yep.
8: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. It's, so far, it's going okay. People are laughing. Yeah, I mean, the idea is if you're destigmatizing a mental illness, you've got to treat it like other uh, illnesses, which have funny parts to it. right? There are funny parts to everything. So, I mean, that's part of it. you got to take it down from that holy sanctum place of, like, we cannot laugh about this, and then you got to be able to laugh at it. Not that you're laughing at it, but you are laughing at some of the weird experiences that you encounter throughout that, and then, yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay, and um, another reason I'll, I'll just bring up uh, is that um, mental illness isn't a hashtag. That was the second <laughs> reason Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah now, wh- so what does that mean to you?
8: Well, you know, I mean, uh, I really appreciate any effort to destigmatize mental illness. It's all awesome. But uh, it depends on the, f- like, sometimes the forum is more or less successful than others. So when you're doing, like, for instance, there are a lot of corporations that will do, like, a mental health awareness day, which is awesome. However, some of that is it'll be, like, you know, hashtag this, like, fight depression or whatever. And you're not going to actually have, uh, like, a conversation of what uh, mental illness is about because it's too it's not the right forum. mental illness is specific to every single person so w- in order to kind of like talk about exactly what it is and fight it you have to be specific with your examples mm-hmm. and so like some forums are just not going to allow for that a 60-minute storytelling show doesn't allow for that because you know that's kind of the form so uh, I guess that's kind of the idea of it. It's a, it's a mental illness procedural. So it's highly specific, but in that way, I think also universal because even though no one will have exactly the same story as mine, they'll be able to maybe, you know, they'll hopefully see parallels to their own life or someone else's life that they know or something like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, so a big part of the show is destigmatizing mental illness. You're, you're talking about y- your own experience. W- what? Yeah,
8: but I don't talk about, I'm not like, yo, we need to be nice. Like it doesn't even cover that at all. It's just like about that. Hopefully that will be like an outcome.
2: Why do y- w- uh, um, can you talk about the format? So it is one hour of uh, v- a fringe show. Uh, what, kind of, what are the pros and cons? What, what does that lead to, to building a conversation about this?
8: Oh, well, so I mean, it just allows people to sit in. Like my idea was to do it like a procedural. So I think a l- this experience is, is common for many people is when you have a mental illness, you don't know it for a long time, for maybe like a decade. That's weird. And so it kind of talks about that. It talks about uh, what it's like to discover it, and then there's like the added fight of like you have to um, you have to fight it, and uh, while knowing it's there and still being unable to stop it. Mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting kind of part too. So it just kind of goes through all that and unparcels it. But it's all like pretty, you know. It's it's very storytelling. It's not like it's not like it's not issues based, you know. It's just about like you know, it's just about my life, yeah, you
3: know, like a lot of friend shows. Yeah, wh- what what kind of what are some of the stories you're telling? Well, I don't want
8: to give everything no, away, don't man. don't give it
3: away, but give us a, a taste, a clue, uh, an idea, a hint.
8: Uh, nah, I'm not going to. All right, I No, I will say it starts when I'm like 12, and uh, that's when I first like, kind of had manifestations of mental illness, and then it goes through what that's like, and then, you know, I don't get diagnosed until I'm like 20. So people have to kind of sit through some really rocky, uncomfortable stuff before they know exactly what it is, which is kind of like what it's like to have it. Yeah, so, that's so your idea. whole teen
3: years were yeah. were 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 dominated yeah. by something going on that you didn't re- really have a handle on.
8: Not at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most people's teen years are dominated by something they don't have a handle on. Well, yeah. But yeah. But in this case, yeah. That. But then,
3: but then, then you know, you reach you reach a point where where
8: somebody with authority says, "Well, it's because you've got this." Yeah. And and what was that experience? And like? then you feel amazing. You feel so euphoric because you're like, "Yes, I have this." Means that I'm not like super weird. I just have a thing. Yeah. And Then you're like, even though you have the thing, you're like. I still can't stop the thing. And then yeah. you get really frustrated with yourself mainly because you're like, I suck at life. I cannot figure out my own life. And then you, and then so it's about that. Yeah. And then it's kind of like the end, the idea of it is that um, when you lose like your mental compass, one of the things that brings you back to the world is your family and community and friends that you make because they mirror who you are back to yourself when you kind of forget, right? So that would be kind of like the, the takeaway. Um, w- what's now, i giving everything away, man. You talked me into it. Oh, you're a very good interviewer. <laughs> all
3: you've done is entice us.
2: Now no, we want to yeah, see. Yeah, okay, good. And you can. Uh, tonight was the opening night. There was a half-price show earlier today at 6.15. Yeah, it sold out. All, t-
8: all those cheap people wanted to pay half-price. <laughs> so you'll have half as many people in the crowd tomorrow? <laughs> no, tomorrow's but sold out, too. much money. Tomorrow's so sold out, too. But there, people should know there's a, there's a show in the program that's not there's in the sh- It happens, but it's not in the program. So there's a 9.45 on Saturday night.
2: Oh. the next two
8: are sold out. But they can catch a 9.45 on Saturday.
2: The uh, 9.45 next Saturday is, yeah, so that we've it's got that. It's not in e- the program. Not in this program yeah. that I'm pointing to.
8: Is it there? Oh, no, this Saturday. So oh, right I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, no, foiled again. Yeah, um. it's okay. I was foiled too. So, so, was, so was the fringe. Everybody was foiled by this show. But it does exist. It's happening. Who should come see your show? Uh, I think anyone can see it as long as they're above the, I like, I wouldn't recommend someone who's under the age of 15 because there is some darkness there, but um, anyone above that age, and especially people, I, you know, it really doesn't, like I do have a lot of people come talk to me afterwards about like, hey, mental illness or something, but also just people, a lot of people who don't have any experience with that, who are like, I had no idea, I'm so glad I know, and I recognize like some of that weird idiosyncrasies in like myself or some other person, and now I ha- understand that a little bit better, or at the very least, it's just, I mean, it's also just about the miracle of consciousness and how amazing it is that we have a body and a brain and from that, we get consciousness, which no one knows how to define or what it does or why it's evolved. Like, we don't know anything about consciousness. It's the biggest mystery in the world, and it happens inside our head. So it's kind of about that, too. Uh, what
2: What should people or what can people take away from your show if, um, if they're in that category that you mentioned that might... Um, might know someone with, with uh, any particular mental illness or, or not know about it.
8: Sorry, what would they expect? Or might, what was the what can point? they
2: take away from your show? How, uh, how can they help? How can how can we support our friends if we don't know what they're going through?
8: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's p- part of it. I mean, yeah, it's a very, it's highly specific show to the point of uncomfortable, right? The show will make you uncomfortable, but I hope in a good way. I don't leave you hanging there uncomfortable. The idea is not to, like, throw you out in the streets making you cry. But I think that what the show is was doing, which is kind of part resonating with people is it is saying exactly what people are like what at least i am worried about and it's very terrifying and people even hearing it don't like to hear it Mm. and so it'll make you squirm a little bit but i think that's part of it you got to hear those things and once you hear them they're like oh yeah i feel i feel okay now that i've heard it i didn't die nothing exploded and uh everyone no one like no one's dead can't wait (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) i'll leave it like that i'm like i'll make you squirm i'll make you fear for your life come to my show i swear it's good where is it uh, it's, it's an arts umbrella, at, uh, so it's on Cartwright Street right on the island, Granville yeah. Island. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's an arts umbrella. And uh, once again, the title is Brain. It's called Brain. Yeah. my name is Brendan McLeod. Brendan, thanks a lot for joining hey, us. Hey, thanks for having me. That okay. was fun to talk to you guys. Alright. Sorry I was so late getting here. Oh, I no. I got here just in the nick of time. We had shielded the radio
2: audience from that fact. So uh, uh, <laughs> All right,
8: sorry. <laughs> sorry, radio
2: audience. All right, and we are, of course, at the Fringe Bar. I can see they're carrying in the beer right now. Three cases of beer just walked right past us. Um, Yes. So, you know, if you come down now, it'll be available to you. Music's going to start fairly soon here. We've got, uh, we're here for about another 10 minutes. And um, Dave, it looks like you're queuing up a little bit of music for the people uh, what music? Yeah, we got think? another
3: song by Apollo Ghosts who are going to be playing, l- or somebody from Apollo Ghosts is playing later on tonight. Yes, we're getting a lot of mileage out of Apollo Ghosts yeah. tonight. <laughs> okay. we, we brought an iPod with us that yeah. is just chocked full of Apollo Ghosts music. So. And a little Supermoon, too, but we'll hear another Apollo Ghost song. This is so much better when you're gone. <laughs> ¶¶
2: Apollo Ghosts with So Much Better When You're Gone, and we will shortly be gone um, from your radios. We are here for just until 8 o'clock. Uh, you are, of course, tuned into CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from the Fringe Festival. Um, I'm your host, Jake <laughs> Costello, for the day, and Dave Radio, Radio Dave, is here with a special friend who has joined us.
3: We're here with Hansel. Hello, Hansel. Our oh, guten
13: tag. I'm so happy to be here. And Hansel, you're performing at the Fringe this year? I am in the Vancouver Fringe. Das Fringe. I am doing my show, Dating for Doomkoffer. I am so excited. Well, we'll, we'll tell us all about it. Well, in English, we call it Dating for Dumbheads. And I think perhaps one or two of of your listeners may have dated a dumbhead sometime in their life. Uh, And so uh, this is my tribute to those of us who have dated dumbheads. Now, there's a young man. Uh, Not me at all, because he can't get a date. Uh, This is not based on me at all. This is total, complete fiction, yes, of course. So he cannot get a date, but he reads on the Internet that the world is coming to an end, that there's global warming and dying bees and pipelines everywhere, and he realizes that because it's on the Internet, it must be true, so he must find somebody before it is true, and then... Uh, after and there uh, are many jokes and lots of things happen, uh, okay. but I won't give them away because okay. then you won't come see the show. You have uh, well, to come well, see the show. Well, where is it? The show is at the False Creek Gym. Uh-huh. Uh, right across the way from where we are. Uh, first show, tomorrow night, 6.45. Okay. And uh, tomorrow night, 6.45. Yes, All that's right. right. And uh, now you brought your ukulele
3: here I with did you. Bring so my does ukulele. that mean there's some music in the show? There is some music in the uh-huh. show. A very, right. few,
13: very little bit. Would yeah. you like to hear a I would taste? love
3: to hear a little taste.
13: This is a piece at the very beginning as well. Uh-huh. Reading on the internet about the woes of the world. Keystone Enbridge, Kinder Morgan. I'm so scared of global warming. No more trees, no more, more bees. What is going to become of me? The world is crazy completely nuts. the world is crazy no ifs or buts and as the world comes to an end i need to find a nice girlfriend someone to hold me though is crazy no ifs or buts And that is my song. And I wrote that song myself. Can you believe it? I believe it. You do believe it. I believe that you wrote that that song yourself. Amazing. (laughs) Now, Hansel, you're wearing traditional uh, garb here. You have your lederhosen on. I have my German lederhosen. Yes, Mm -hmm. I am from Hamburg. Uh Hamburg, Germany. So you're a hamburger. Uh, I am a little hamburger. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, And you're carrying carrying a, a beautifully uh, uh, decorated uh, staff here. I have my crafted sign. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. On the one side it says "Girlfriend Wanted," mm-hmm. so I am searching the flinge for for just that extra special someone. Yeah. On the other side it says. Be my honey. Aww. And there's a little B on it, so it's B-E-E, my yeah, honey. <laughs> yeah.
3: So if people come down to Granville Island during the Fringe, they might
13: come, come across you. and They go, hopefully will see yeah. me, and they will take my card, and they will learn about my song, and we will sing songs, and we will have a great time. Wonderful. Because this so, is the Fringe. Yeah, exactly. And it's at the Falls Creek Community Falls Center. Falls Creek Community Center, first show, name of the show.
3: Wow. We got left. We're almost done here. We're, uh, we are uh, on the... Uh, on the fringe we're on the rail off the rail right next to off the rail the fringe bar on here on gravel island uh the uh, band is getting ready to uh, to start playing and uh, uh the the crowd is starting to form the folks have uh, done their first show of the evening and they have come in to get a beverage or two and then head off to uh to continue for the rest of the night and for the rest of the week and Another exciting fringe is getting on its way. It certainly is. And there's even lights, uh,
2: light, beautiful white lights in the trees. There might even be some. Uh Where's s- that little girl now? I know. She, yeah. would be, she would greatly approve. She
3: would be delighted. Um, well,
2: thank you for everyone tuning in. Thank you to, <laughs> thank you to Hansel yeah. uh, for stopping by. He's walking away in his beautiful uh, Lederhosen. In his
1: Lederhosen,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> very good. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for everyone who has come by. Andrew Wade, uh, Star Star Theater with pornography. Uh, Jacques Lalonde wasn't able to make it, but thank you to him as well. Also, um, Nick um, from Edgar Allan, Eleanor Felton from, yes, from with uh, the fighting season, yeah, the fighting season, which seems like an in- uh, an amazing show. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Um, well. We stay tuned to CITR 101.9 Yeah, Keep, FM. Your, e-
3: keep your ears open.
2: Uh, the next show up is Spice of Life with Ben Life. And um, stay tuned to CITR. If Or come on down. The music is just starting right now. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave you with a song um, called Burnout of My Dreams. Bye bye.